Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the HIV podcast. Each week, we focus on a person, historical event, or pop culture moment linked to HIV and explore the story of what actually happened. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And between us, we've been working in the field of HIV for 40 years. Our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. Welcome to the HIV podcast. So that was lovely Zoe welcoming us. Thank you very much for the intro, Zoe. So the version, oh, hold on, I'm going to ruin this now. So when you play it properly, it's going to be at normal speed. Not yeah. no, At the moment, it just sounds like she's on speed, doesn't it? Yeah, we should explain. So obviously I drop in the, the actual audio file once I've edited the podcast. But within, while we're recording, I just play Sarah the little voice notes that I get through. And I don't know why. Well, actually, I do know why. I'll explain in a minute. It's on 1.5. So it's just Zoe going, welcome to the HIV podcast. <laughs> just so <laughs> fast. But I have to say, it's because I actually listen to everything on 1.5. Why? Some podcasts, they're too slow and I find it really frustrating. I need it to be faster. I almost oh. can't bear how like considered and slow it is. I want it snappy, Sarah. So one point, honestly, try it. It's literally the best, putting everything on 1.5. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to start this week and I never start. We've had a complaint. No, I'm ending the episode. That was it. <laughs> no, I don't want to hear it. Says, Dear Sarah and Jess, I'm writing to complain about last week's podcast episode. It was only a matter of time, Jess. Oh, no. I noticed that during the episode it was heavily edited, having had to listen to my wife bellowing her way through it. However, the luxury of editing was not afforded to my introduction, which I'd had no time to rehearse and was sprung on me at short notice. I'd only popped upstairs to go to the toilet. For any future involvement, I'll require 48 hours notice and an appearance fee. In the meantime, some noise-cancelling headphones would be appreciated. I love listening to the finished episodes, but listening to it being recorded is like some form of torture. Best wishes, Sarah's long-suffering husband, Fraser unbelievable that's amazing <laughs> i hope he's around today to listen to this oh my no. goodness well fraser there's no budget sadly for headphones noise cancelling headphones and i have to say his intro is one of my favorites we've ever done it was when you kept saying no not and 
It was just the best. Well, I think we can safely say that Fraser's involvement in future podcast episodes well, is just not happening. Oh, yeah, that's well. He's not, not if he wants an appearance fee. Maybe you could share some of your buttons. Is he partial to a chocolate button? Yes, he is, but he's not having those. Oh, okay. Maybe we no. could. Maybe he, I could send him some of my frazzles. <laughs> maybe that instead next. Now he's going to have to come on again. I'm sorry. He's going to have to now because that was too good and he has a voice for radio. Anyway, you, there you go. That's Complaint Corner. You're going to turn into, it's going to be a bit like that, um, what are their names? That shagged, married, annoyed, but it'll be you and Fraser sort of arguing and me trying to get some like HIV tips out of you both. That That is a podcast idea. I would like to say for the record, I don't think I bellow. Oh, I think we both do. I think we, ca- <laughs> I think we cackle and we bellow. <laughs> we, yeah. Oh, what a description. Brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. From Complaint Corner to old rant or rave corner straight on over i mean look at us this year we've got all of these new sections right we we received a rant i'm not going to tell you any more than that sarah just gonna let you listen to it that's the exact point okay ready for your rant hello hiv podcast it's william hampson here and i thought i'd swing by to have a massive rant because in early 2023 i received an email from a small hiv charity which went as follows Dear Mr. Hampson, I was incredibly saddened to see you refer to HIV in your book with such stigmatising language. For your benefit, I have included a link to an invaluable HIV language guide that you will hopefully find educational. I mean, come on, the absolute gall of this woman. Anyhow, as she stated, there was a link to which I gave a good fingering to, which opened a PDF from another HIV charity titled HIV Language Guide. God, I went a bit pat butcher there. But anyway, this guide, no doubt, typed up and approved by those not living with HIV who perhaps feel somewhat expert in an experty way. And a bit to educate myself on how I am to refer and talk about my HIV that I will live with for the rest of my life. I was absolutely astounded that allegedly I and people living with HIV are not allowed to say things like HIV positive person. And instead we must say Person living with HIV, with a side note that said, put the person before the virus. I mean, really? Come on. Who gives a f***? And you're not allowed to say HIV virus and instead must say HIV. Okay, I get it. The V in HIV stands for virus. But I ask, how many over all these decades view HIV as an acronym and not just as an established word in its entirety? And if we're honest, the public most likely think HIV is just a poncy word for AIDS. We've just a dusting of knowledge that HIV and AIDS are two separate diagnoses. But this is the real cracker that really gets me in a tears. We're not allowed to say, became infected with HIV, with the real emphasis on the word infected. You have to say, contracted or acquired HIV. I mean, what's worse, the use of the word infected or the use of the word acquired, which is defined in the thesaurus as acquire by or obtain an asset or object for oneself. So next time I share my status, I'll say, I acquired HIV, that's right, I felt like treating oneself, so I popped down the King's Road and acquired HIV just like I would a new pair of shoes. Either way, acquired or contracted suggests HIV was deliberately sought. While some may take issue with the word infected, surely it outlines that the individual didn't deliberately seek or, I hate to say it, be deserving to be HIV positive. 
While the previous decade spewed up so much hate and HIV stigma, one thing is for sure that the general public are on a level pegging in terms of HIV language. Given there are fewer numbers of us living with HIV today than previous years and decades, who is this language guy really targeting? And does putting up barriers such as this make the general public more fearful to even engage in the topic of HIV and or a person's HIV status in fear of saying the wrong thing? I recently witnessed this setback the gay community with regard to gender and pronouns, both with the general public as a whole and the gay community itself, all too scared of saying the wrong thing, thus closing down conversations entirely. While language is always important, I feel it would have been beneficial to produce a guide for people living with HIV to better deal with the language that they may find offensive. And if me referring to my HIV jovially as the it in a bit of camp banter is offensive and keeps the conversation open, then so be it. Let's not make society too scared of saying the wrong thing when they are in some instances still scared to drink from the same cup or breathe the same air as us who are HIV positive. There we go. Run over. Oh my God, it's like writing to Anne Robinson's at points of view. Cashier number three, please. Always wanted to do that. <laughs> I feel like we should should give that a round of applause. Very good points raised. And I know the list that he's talking about because I've seen it. And I remember me and you having a chat about it because... This is, he's actually brought up quite a pertinent point that we have had discussions about privately because we have had something similar happen to us where someone had messaged us. um, And I think it was around the use of the word disclosure. And it was it was very much in the same ilk of, of what Will's saying. And I think while like as Will says, while we agree that language is important, yes, I also agree that it's like, who is this actually for? And aren't we making the general public just like he said, terrified to even start a conversation with this in case you're minutely putting the words in the wrong place or just saying just the you know? And surely, surely it's personal preference. And why are we telling people? Like, why is someone writing to Will to tell him this is how you should speak about your HIV? That's it, isn't it? It's like no one's got the right to do that. It's un- absolutely unbelievable that they yeah. had the gall to message him and say that. I would be livid if someone did that to me Yeah, about something that, you know, I was living with because it's describe it however you feel comfortable Exactly, exactly. So that was a wonderful rant, Will. Yeah, and a topic, I said. I think I've said this before, we will come back to this uh, and the language that's that's been suggested and the language that's being used because I think I'm with Will on this. I think if we emphasise this too much, we risk disengaging people. Well, I mean, can we just start at a baseline of actually getting people a bit more HIV educated? Should we just help people get more HIV educated rather than be like, wow, that's wrong, isn't it? That's offensive. And people generally in life, this is what we need to remember, are nice. You know, for the most part, they're not trying to hurt or upset other people. So if at all they feel like there might be a chance that they could be using the wrong language and they may offend somebody, Will's Will's completely right. People will shy away from even having those conversations. Yeah, and that is the opposite. And why are people messaging others to sort of, yeah, force it on them, a bit like somebody did with us? I'm open to conversations about anything like this, but not if that person is forcing their opinion onto me and not willing to hear kind of our side of the story. Well, I just uh, don't understand people like that. I think yeah. it's, I actually think it's quite arrogant. Well, I do. And where does it end? 
we could all, as just a single person, start firing off emails being like, no, I don't like that you use that. You should use this instead. Like, where does that end? Mm. Anyway, very good rant, Will. Thank you very much. Oh, he's good, isn't he? He really is. He might, he might just have to become a staple. I think he's got a lot of good things to say. Right, shall we move on? Let's do it. 2023, baby. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's 2030. Well, also, it's 2024 this year, but it's 2013 that we're doing. Oh, God. What are we even doing? <laughs> oh, God. You're going to have people messaging now saying you're just not fit to talk about anything to do with HIV. Probably. We don't care. Yeah, we're still going to do it. Still going to put the podcast yeah. out. Still yeah. going to happen. Just don't listen. And that's fine. But that's it, isn't it? Yeah. It's, oh. Anyway, yes, 2030, Jess. 2030. We're in 2024. We're looking at 2030. 2030, yes. I'm with you. Yeah. See, when you said to me the other day that you uh, you just have trouble with numbers and, and budgets and you, you're not wrong, are you, love? No, I'm not. That's why That's why I'm not allowed to count the petty cash in the office, Sarah. <laughs> because that was just yeah. a travesty every time. <laughs> the discrepancies we had. It was amazing. <laughs> I just couldn't imagine where I went wrong. And it would be like that, where I thought I had said the right thing, but I would write a completely different figure than even I was thinking. It was bonkers, absolutely bonkers, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Excellent. Right, so we are looking at 2030, and last week we looked at how achievable that was around the world um, and the, God, it was like a 50-point plan that UNAIDS had, wasn't it? It It was huge. Yes, it was. This week, we're going to look at a couple of areas in more detail. And one of those areas is Ukraine. Topical. Yes, it is. And I know they're not the only country that's dealing with conflict at the moment. I know Mm. that. And I also know that if your country is facing, you know, huge turmoil, nobody's thinking about HIV, are they? Although people are still having sex. So, but the main reason for focusing on Ukraine is because, uh, well, I'll be honest, because there was a really good article in The Telegraph that ran into September last year. <laughs> Perfect. That is that smart. That's smart researching, Sarah. Oh, so they um, interviewed a few people in uh, Ukraine that were either affected by HIV or work in the HIV sector. They interviewed Andre, a drug addict living in Kharkiv. I know I haven't probably said that correctly. We all know the issues I have with any pronunciation. I'm going to try it. Kharkiv. Excellent. Um, So that's one of the worst areas. Prior to the war, he had been uh, managing his addiction with methadone. But when the shelling started, supplies of methadone dried up, his cravings grew and he started using heroin again. No access to clean needles, so he had to use shared needles. And in October 22, he was diagnosed with HIV. You just don't think about these things when you think about conflict in a country, do you? No, I definitely hadn't done. The the inequalities and the, the effects it's going to have on people like him who are, yeah, not on heroin anymore, on methadone, but now what, what choice does he have? Yeah, no, you don't think about that. Like, everything changes, doesn't it? Well, in your mind, I know it's really probably very naive, but I almost think everything just stops and everyone just goes to war. And it's mm. like, but the world doesn't stop, does it? And drug addictions don't stop. And like you're saying, sex doesn't stop and people having babies doesn't stop. And I know. Put a new perspective on it. And he's not alone. So nationally, 158,000 people were living with HIV in Ukraine at the start of July 2023. 
That is up by 8,000 on the previous year. Of those, 121,000 were on anti anti. <laughs> you would never think I worked in the HIV sector. Well, 121,000 of those were on medication for HIV, but that figure had reduced by 9,000, that's on point, from the previous year. So essentially, the number of people with HIV has gone up, the number of medication has gone down. But even with those stats, it's difficult to tell how the war is impacting on HIV diagnosis because there is a lack of data, particularly from the occupied territories in the East. Completely understandable. No one's doing HIV data stats, are they, when you're at war? Well, I suppose, again, I would assume that HIV testing stops, but I guess it it mustn't because life continues. So the Telegraph spoke to uh, a spokesperson for a Ukrainian HIV charity, and she said, or they said, that there's no doubt that the war has had a very bad impact on the control of the infection. And that's because during the conflict, they're not doing HIV testing. They don't have enough HIV meds to um, supply people with. Clinics were forced to shut, so they couldn't even treat those with HIV, uh, which heightened the risk of AIDS. And continues to do so, I imagine. Yeah. So in, what was the name of the place? In Kharkiv. The area of Ukraine that's been heavily bombed in the war, the number of known cases in in the most advanced stage of HIV, so essentially AIDS, has doubled from 88 in the first half of 2021 to 167 in the first half of 2023. Meaning either people didn't know they had HIV or they hadn't been tested or they knew, but they didn't or couldn't access medical care. And that essentially is what happens when your country goes to war. Yeah. And I mean, the, the effects of that will be long term, even beyond, you know, hopefully when the war's over soon, I hope. Who knows? But, you know, the effects of this will be much further reaching, I would imagine, yeah. than, than than how long the war lasts. Yeah. Um, and it's like we say, the countries at war, they do not have access to condoms. They don't have access to clean needles. Essentially, people are having unprotected sex because there's nothing. And it's not just... HIV meds that are in short supply. It's meds for birth control or methods of birth control. Yeah, Everything yeah. comes to a halt. Just makes me really sad. I know. You know, that you have the choices that people have just are taken away from them in an instant. Mm. So the reporter says for Andre, who used to have access to clean needles, and he was taking prep. That's the other thing, is that, you know, he was he couldn't take prep anymore because it just wasn't available. Yeah. So he was doing everything he could to kind of protect himself and manage his drug addiction. All changed. But like you're saying, how will how how could we possibly if we're just looking at just one war-torn country and as we know there are many which this will be, you know, these conditions replicated throughout all of these. How would we ever get to 2030 as a global, you know, initiative? How will we ever reach that as a target with this happening? That's very true. Yeah. We just just won't be able to. It feels very much here, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Maybe I'll have to edit this out. Who knows? Let's go ahead and see. <laughs> it just feels very much in the UK, like that's all we're bothered about. And I know that it, what else? We can't control other things. So, you know, I suppose why do we care in theory? But it feels very 
I don't know. It just feels a bit mean in a way now. Like we're just like, we're just bothered. We want to be the first and we're going to get, do you know what I mean? Because that's what we hear that they want to be the first, you know, country mm. to, to reach zero new transmissions. But it's like, but th- there's no point in us being the first people to reach zero new transmissions if the rest of the world is miles behind us. Yeah, because of a situation that is beyond the yes. HIV Does that make control. sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not saying we're literally mean as a country, but it just feels a bit like that. Like we're like, you know, we're like that annoying kid that's like, I win, I win. It's like that. It's like, well, okay, yeah, but that's great. Well done. But it does. I think it. we're not all in this together, are we? I think no. that's what it boils down to is there are, yeah, what's the point in saying we're going to try and be one of the first? It's meaningless. It's not. We said it before. It's not a level playing field. We're not all starting from the same place. And I think this highlights that perfectly. Yeah. They also spoke to a social worker who works with people who are HIV positive. And she said, you know, there's just no data, no accurate data available. But she believes hundreds of drug users have acquired HIV since the invasion began and that upwards of 3,000 have had not had the opportunity to test. So she believes that there are many cases of HIV in circulation that just not only in the area where the war is taking place, but the wider region as well. Oh, wow. I mean, imagine trying to tackle that. Like, uh, where do you even start? Yeah, huge, huge challenges for them moving forward. Yeah. And imagine the amount of medication that would need. You know, you can, you can, it's very, all very well testing everyone, isn't it? But then you're going to need medication beyond that and, and, and ongoing medication. Yeah. Yeah, craziness. And costly. Very costly. We're going to look at another, I've put country, it's not a country, it's a region. I could get you to guess where you think we're going to go. Okay, give me a clue. Oh, I haven't got any clues. Oh, come on. You must be able to think of one clue for an entire <laughs> region of the world. I don't believe that you can't think of a single clue. It's not in Europe. <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it a place that people often name as a country, but it's a continent? No. It's not. You're talking about Africa. Yes. How many people think that Africa? I hear that so many times. I'm just like, are you insane? Africa is not a country. I've said I've said it on this podcast before. And then after, oh, it's a continent. Oh, <laughs> am I talking about you? Am I Probably. Talking about I do insane? remember saying it a while ago. Oh, and then going, oh, my God, Africa's not a country, is it? Oh, I like to think I would have edited that out to save you, but I don't know that I would I don't know that you did. No. And our service users from the African continent definitely do not like it if you just say they're African. Okay, so it's not Africa. Is it Australasia? I'm not sure. Oh, good. <laughs> How far? No, I don't think it is. I'm going to tell you because this could go on for weeks. Okay, okay, go on. Uh, What's it begin right. with? What's it begin with? A. Asia? Oh, there we go. Not the whole of Asia because Asia's massive. Okay, we're going south. It's an area known as Asia Pacific. Oh, okay. Where HIV infection rates have quadrupled. In in what amount of time do we know? Oh, hold on, I'll come to that. Don't you oh, worry. Okay. So, so Asia Pacific includes um, the Philippines. They've seen a surge in new infection rates. So in ten in twelve years, they have seen a rise of four hundred and eighteen percent. Quite a lot. Wow, and I mean. I'm imagining you're going to tell us possibly why. Going to, yes. Where else? Fiji. 
another nice place, 260% rise. Also increases in Papua New Guinea, Afghanistan and Bangladesh. There are more. Those are just the ones I could say. Right. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Highly unprofessional. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. So Eamon Murphy, he's the director of UN AIDS for Asia Pacific. And he said Asia Pacific has always been the second largest epidemic in the world with 6.5 million people living with HIV. But collectively, the actions that countries are taking are slipping. So there's kind of he says there's a level of complacency, really. They're keen to point out that globally, 1.3 million people were newly infected in 2022. That's quite a lot, isn't it? That's a massive amount. With a 49% jump in new cases in Eastern Europe, which I've been talking about, and Central Asia, and a 61% surge in the Middle East and North Africa. Big, hefty old numbers, aren't they? Yeah. But with a quarter of all new infections reported in the Asia-Pacific last year, the region's slow progress is concerning, said Mr Murphy. Oh, imagine he sat round with all the other UN representatives and they're all giving great news. You know, the European guys going, oh, this is amazing. We're doing really well in meeting 2030. And he's just like, no, it's not happening on my patch. So they literally just think complacency. That's all they've put it down to. Well, it isn't just complacency because he goes on to talk about stigma. So he says stigma is a massive part of this, along with um, a lack of HIV prevention services for the most vulnerable populations. And we talked about them last week, didn't we? Yeah. But there's another thing. There's been a shift in infection rates towards young people. So only 78% of people in the Asia Pacific region living with HIV know their status. Right. 35% of those infected are not access in medication and prep is very patchy in its right. availability across the region but they said of particular concern is a growing epidemic in young people a quarter of new infections last year were in those aged 15 to 24 <gasps> oh i God, know that, that is figure jumps to almost 50 percent in cambodia indonesia the philippines and thailand why, why is it just because there's no new, like, like, I don't know, I guess awareness campaigns or less education? They give the people who are most affected, male sex workers, gay and bisexual men, those who inject drugs and transgender. Is it because, and I, maybe again, this might be really out of turn, but this popped into my head, it might have popped into someone else's listening, could it be linked to the fact there's like such a big like sex trade over there? It could be, yes. Like sex tourism. Yeah. Just it, wondering if that's possibly linked. But then, you know, Thailand also is known for that and we're not seeing those same rises there, are we? So I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I think you could be right. I mean, there is a, a you know, sex trade over there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, like you say, especially in Thailand. And it could also be that... These young people that are now coming through and being affected, they haven't had education around HIV or they haven't had access to PrEP. Do we think COVID could be of any, had any effect on this, had any impact? I think it could have done as, yeah, I think, I think it all could have impacted. Yeah. I mean, if you were a male sex worker, for example, would your living have been impacted during COVID because people weren't able to travel? 
Yeah. Or would you have been still trading? Because we know people were still going out and cruising. We know that. We know that was still happening. Or would you have still been trading? But possibly, just like you said, during COVID, you probably wouldn't have been able to access condoms, tests, prep. You know, perhaps you were still working, but it just in a riskier way because Mm. you had to. I think you're right. And I think as the UNH report said, it's the most vulnerable communities in society that are most affected by HIV. And these are all vulnerable communities. Yeah. That are already stigmatised. And I think that probably stops people from even coming forward to be tested. So poor Mr Murphy, he's got to work out, I forgot, sorry for him, is obviously worried about the future because he said, when you look at these figures, you look at the number of young people making up that proportion of new infections, you've got to say, what's going to happen to, in the future? We've got to place more focus on prevention, yeah, which he's absolutely right about. We yeah. need to educate people and make sure that they are able to protect themselves. But also, like you're saying, stigma. We have to address stigma. We have to, I, I know we bang on about it. I was going to say I'm sure everyone's bored, but actually, if you're listening to this podcast, pretty sure you're not bored of hearing us bang on about that. I'm pretty sure you're on board. Um, but yeah, we have to. Otherwise, people, like you're saying, they won't come forward and they won't test and they won't take their meds and they won't go to the clinic. And also, like PrEP is a game changer. We know this. And in some areas of Asia Pacific, uh, like Vietnam, it's the use of PrEP has increased by 59%. Excellent. Good work, Vietnam. But in Thailand where they used to have a really good accessible PrEP programme, they, um, in December 2022, introduced new guidelines around PrEP that meant you could only access it from a doctor at a government hospital. So up until that point, charities were able to offer PrEP um, and other community venues. So it was widely accessible and, and acceptable as well. You know, it was seen as a good thing to do. Yeah. The government said, no, 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 no. From now on, we're only going to allow you to access this from a government hospital. Prior to that, 80% of people had accessed their prep through a not-for-profit clinic, that kind of thing. Yeah. And at the same time, they said, we're also going to defund prep for Thai citizens on certain insurance schemes. So healthcare in Thailand is is not free. You have insurance companies. So effectively, they haven't said which citizens uh, would be defunded, but you can probably guarantee it's those that are most in need of PrEP. What a hideous loophole they've put in. Yeah. Now, we don't know why they took the decision to do that. Yeah. They've never really come out and said, this is why we're doing it. But what we do know is that where people had been accessing PrEP, that was on the increase. Of course, you've introduced these changes and the number of people that are new to PrEP falls, so by 19%. So they don't have data yet on how or whether that's contributing to a rise in HIV infections. But what they do know is that attitudes and stigma are stronger than ever and that the people that really need to access PrEP are too afraid to do so because it means going to a hospital, a government hospital, and speaking to someone, you know, a consultant, and explaining, justifying why you need it. Yeah. Yeah, well, you wouldn't. The moment you said that, though, earlier, when you said now they have to go to a government hospital, it's like, yeah, I'm not, I'll am i be all right. I'll pass. You know, you're not going to go and do that, are you? It's intimidating. And it, yeah, no, absolutely not. No. And if you're from a community that's already stigmatised and you already feel judged, you're hardly likely to go shouting about that at the hospital, are you? You're just going to keep it to yourself. Exactly. 
So all it's done, those decisions by the Thai government, is reversed all the work that the clinics and the charities were doing to reduce stigma. That's such a shame. And to empower people to protect their sexual health. Right. The article I learned about this is from The Telegraph. Well, The Telegraph are on it at the moment for HIV and sexual health. Well done, Telegraph. Very good. Yes. Uh, So they spoke to someone who ran a a clinic who said, you know, we've been set back years by this. And, you know, when she heard the announcement, uh, she literally just started to cry, which made me feel really cold hearted because I thought, well, we've had announcements over the year about, you know, the AIDS. But when the AIDS support grant was taken away from us, I didn't cry. Maybe we should have. (laughs) Maybe this is more of says more about us, Sarah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Let's see. That's our New Year's resolution. Let's just cry more. Yes, yes. I could. Could I get on board with that? I hate crying in front of other people. When I have to cry in front of Sarah, I say when I have to. It's like you've beaten me. So when Sarah has beaten, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but when I have been upset, I always just turn around. I've never noticed that when I've been like, I'll talk to you and I'll turn around and be like, I was physically no. turning around there. Yeah, I've never I hate noticed it. that before. Really? Oh, don't like and I it. don't make you cry often. I don't make you cry at all. Yeah, I was going to say, don't say often. Don't. You don't, no. It's, you know, no. we've worked together for 15 years. It's, you know. Oh, do you know, we had the service user pop in yesterday. Lovely lady. Haven't seen her for a few years. But I was like her client support worker when she was first referred to us. And it was so lovely to see her. And I said, oh, God, you've come so far. Because she has. Just burst into tears, didn't she? Oh. And I was just like, oh, that that's not the aim of us meeting. Like, I was like, oh. Oh, but, you know, sometimes I think things like that take people by surprise and they sort of go, oh, my God, someone sees that. Yes, I have. And I've been through so much. And it it almost all overwhelms you in that moment, doesn't it? Just someone seeing you and recognising that. Oh, how lovely. I know, but I wasn't prepared for it. So I don't know if I dealt with it. Well, I mean, obviously, I offered her some tissues and a a cuddle and and just said, we've still got some sweets left from Christmas. Would you like some? Absolutely chocolate. That's the answer yeah. to everything. <laughs> yeah, and then realised that she told me when she first came in that they she'd come from the hospital or the doctors can't remember which, and she'd been told she was pre-diabetic. And I was like, this isn't the way forward, then, is it? No, 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 no chocolates. We're gonna have to get rid of those in the office. But no, I think that's lovely. Well, yeah, I mean, she, she it was fine in the end. We had a lovely afternoon yeah. chatting, oh. reminiscing. She couldn't believe, because she came in and I said, oh, hi, and said the name. And she said, I can't believe you remember my name. So I'm not going to forget you. I enjoyed introducing her to Chantelle and Chantelle completely butchered her name. I thought, thank goodness it's not only me that does this. It's nice to see her. Anyway, back to this. I can't even, oh, yes, we're on about the... um... The crying woman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Devastated by this news. And you would be, wouldn't you? All your hard work and the government just changes in an instant. Right, I'm I'm cutting some stuff out because we've wanged on for ages, Jess, this week. Oh, oh that should be a new saying, we've wanged on. <laughs> we've wanged on for ages. That's our new strap line. <laughs> Just wanging on. We're wanging on about this, you know, you can dip in and out if you want, it's fine. <laughs> It'll be the same old drivel. Yeah. You have to pick it up wherever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to edit this down a bit, but essentially you get what the gist of what I'm saying. Yes. That... When a country takes a decision like Thailand, has a massive effect on their ability to reach 2030. I don't think Thailand can do it with the rules that they've put in place and the fear people feel about accessing PrEP now. 
I would 100% agree with you. I think from what we've looked at today, just Ukraine and Thailand and what was it called? The South Pacific? Asia Pacific. Is South Pacific a film? Yeah, yes, it is, isn't it? Is it that one? I'm going to watch that moment out of my head. Is it that one? I've never never seen it. I haven't either, but I feel like that might be in it. Okay, Asia Pacific. Yes, anyway, what we've come from all of that, these are just a handful of countries we've looked at that Mm. clearly are most likely not going to reach that 2030 goal. So, Exactly. I know, it's just crazy. Do you want to know what Mr Murphy thinks of Thailand's shift? He was surprised. That it? He sounds very polite, doesn't he? That's that's a bit. That's no. That's too low down. He should. I would have wanted shock. Do you know what I mean? Some shock value, or I am horrified. Maybe that they took this decision. Not oh, mild, isn't it? Oh, I'm surprised because prior to that, Thailand were leading the way. They were the leaders in rolling out prep through community based initiatives. So yeah, I think wow. you're right. Surprised is is mild, isn't it? Yeah, no. I mean, it's just not going to happen, is it? No, no, definitely not. So there you go. A few examples of why the 2030 goal is going to be a challenge around the world and an insight into what other countries or areas of the world are contending with. And I think you touched on this earlier. I've put this at the end of my script. Yes, I do have one, believe it or not. That says if we are one of the first countries to reach the goal, my celebrations are going to be quite short lived. Because you know, compared to other countries, we have it easy. Oh, we we absolutely do, and we should be able to if if, if everything was funded properly. You know, if, if more local organisations had funding, um, if if there was more funding for sexual health clinics, I I think we probably could achieve twenty thirty. But yeah, like you say, it it is short lived because we do have things easier here. Yeah, we absolutely do, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, there you go. Not going to chat about twenty thirty anymore. Twenty thirty done. How yes. many years away is that, Jess? How many? How long have we got left? Oh my God! Right, hang on. So if we, I'm going to right. This is how I'm going to work it out. I'm going to go up to 2025 and say that's five years. Yeah. So one more this year is six. Six years, and this is how you were working out our petty cash each week. <laughs> I was just chatting with you while I was just like swiping five peas into my hand, thinking I'm I counting. know, and I was thinking, my God, I can't do that. That is serious multitasking, chatting away and counting at the same time. Phenomenal. Clearly, I can't either. And then you'd casually go, oh, yeah, there's a £49 discrepancy this week. (laughs) Someone else would count it and be like, it's perfect. I was like, oh, (laughs) Oh, that's confusing. Yeah, at one point, Sean, if you're listening to this, the entire office was counting our petty cash. But they swiftly took it away from me because we realised it was just, you know, having it was the duplication where someone else had to do it. It's just wasting everyone's time, wasn't it? Just well, you'd count way. it and get one number. Then someone else would count it and get a different one. Then we'd have to get a third per- person to count it to see if they matched either of the two numbers already put forward. I'm just not for numbers. You know, when I was young, my mum made me have these like, she bought these disco times tables tapes because I just, I just can't. I, I, the only way I can describe it is almost being like, like almost like dyslexic with numbers. Like I can no longer see them and I see something different and I just, my brain just freezes and I just can't do it. So, you know, when I was younger, they thought, oh, she must, you know, she's just being stupid. We must teach her her times tables. And even now I can't, but these, oh, they, it wasn't disco. It was awful. It was like a one times one is one, a two times one. And they made me listen to them. It did not help. Letting you know that for me did not help disco times tables. I still don't know them. Oh, my goodness. 
I mean, I can do twos and fives and stuff, but... Tens. Yeah, tens or elevens. Well, we all know what's going to happen at next week's drop-in. I'm just going to shout out time tables to you. Five eights, Jess, what is it? Wait, hang on, five. Not now. We haven't got the time. Is it 40? I just did it on my fingers. Five, eight fives. Uh, oh, look. Oh. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-one, thirty-five. Yeah, 40. <laughs> shaming ourselves. What are we doing? I don't know how our charity stays solvent. I really don't. Do you know what we should say? We do actually work very hard. We do. And for the financial side of things, we have a lot of uh, safety nets in place. You yes, know, we do. Keepers, accountants, all exactly. the essential people. Exactly. We're not there to be financial because we are not. Well, I am. That is part of my job. Yeah. And I'm trying to get there, be more. I, I did okay today. I had to write a little quote for something. And I think I've done all right. I think that was okay. I got a bit freaked out for a while and just stared at the page for ages at the numbers going, I, I don't know how to do this. Then I worked it out. I did that this morning with a funding bid. Really? Just looked at it for ages going, I don't know. <laughs> sort of questions are these? Why do I need to justify why we want some money? Kind of a Wednesday thing, isn't it? I used to say Wednesday. People know we record beforehand. Oh, no, I wasn't implying it's live. God help everyone if we ever do a live event. It will be horrific. No, we can't. We can't do it, Sarah. There's no live events for you. That's why when people are like, oh, we should like do something together. Let's. Someone recently, which was lovely of them, uh, suggested that we go live with them on Instagram. And that's just never something that we're going to do, just to make you all aware. Because... Sarah and I need to be edited. There, there are things that sometimes we say. I mean, we spend a lot of time just going, "Yeah, edit that out." Oh, oh, you can't <laughs> say that. Oh, edit that out. You know, so going live would be terrifying. It no, it's not not for us, is it? We weren't we weren't made for going live. We're pre-recorded. You pennies. are. You've been on the radio live loads recently. You're amazing. Oh, but that's only because uh, that that's they ask the same questions. I tell you what I've got really used to doing, Sarah, on live radio, is um, just not listening to the questions they ask and saying what I want to say. Like a politician. Yeah, because sometimes they ask some questions that you're like, what on earth does that even mean, right? And so I just go off on a completely different tangent, just say the things I want to say. That's quite a clever tactic. And I just don't feel guilty about it. So that's the thing. So I don't like to think of it as being a politician. I like to think of it as just being cunning. Oh, you were going to say something else. Oh, no. <laughs> no, cunning, cunning. <laughs> like a sly fox. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, yes. No, no, no. We don't have the bleep machine like Will has that if I wanted to be, you know, see you next Tuesday expletives, could not be in here. You know? Even that is... Is that too to close the... to the bone even feet? That is my favourite word. No. Oh, By what? a country mile. By a country mile. By a country mile, if you know what I mean. Is it really? What, your favourite word to use? Yes. And even and I put a Y on it as well. So in my family, if something's bad, it'll oh, be no. that thing with a Y on it. No. No? No. I know. Do you know what? I do, sometimes I have used it around people who clearly find it so offensive. Yes. And I'm like, so no, I think it's a bit like, you know, like in Australia where they, you can say you're a good C. They call no. you a good. Yeah, it's like a real like term of endearment. Is it? Yeah. If you're a good blank, beginning with C, then yeah, that's like a term of endearment. Yeah, I, I love like it. it. What's your don't favourite like swear it. word? What's your, don't say it. What's it begin with? I don't think I've got one. Is it fiddlesticks? 
Or blast. Blast. I might say that. Oh, blast. It's all gone horribly wrong today. Yes. Love it. I love it. Um, do I have a favourite swear word? I don't think I do. Oh, God. I'm so dull. You love dropping an F bomb. Oh, <gasps> do I? Yeah. But in a oh. nice way, in like oh, a comic that's way. That's not nice, though. That's not. You don't like it. What no, would you mean? No, no, no. I'm going to try and modify my language then, if that's the case. I like that you have always been a very relaxed boss because I have a trash mouth. So I appreciate yeah. that, that you never around, never in a professional setting, I'd like to add, Sean, never around clients. But, you know, between Sarah and I, my natural disposition is have a bit of a trash mouth. Trash but you've mouth never, yes. I've not ever heard you use the C word. I think I do frequently. I think you're just so, like, immune to it now. Mate, I think I just tune you out. I, I would uh, The more conversations we have, the more I think that's true. Yeah, it's just <laughs> don't bother listening. That's why we never get anything done. Thanks for listening to the HIV podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can now also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the HIV podcast for behind the scenes insights and video. The HIV podcast is produced by Thames Valley Positive Support. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.